You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Friday, June 25th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And today our episode is brought to you by Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're subscribing to Peacock and Williamson, also subscribe to Locked On Jets. We'll deliver new episodes to your device as they're posted. And while you're at it, if you enjoy the show, give it a five-star review. That helps us out. Today we are going to do our weekly mailbag. Normally we do it on Wednesday. This week we're going to do a Friday mailbag. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question deals with the 2022 draft. Since we've discussed everything there is to discuss this offseason, let's move on to the 2022 draft. We will probably win six to seven games this year, and Seattle likewise, so we will end up with probably two picks in the teens. What is the most likely scenario for a move up in the draft, trading the two picks in the teens for, say, a pick in the three to five range? And what positions would that war- would warrant that? Would edge, wide receiver, tight end, corner, or center warrant a trade up? So a lot of assumptions being made, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with the idea that we just move past the 2021 season. There's a full season of football to play here, with a team that we hope will be vastly improved. I don't think the Jets are going to trade up if they have two picks in the teens up to three or five. I mean, I guess if you're looking for the most recent precedent, it probably would be the San Francisco Miami trade where the 49ers gave up three first round picks and a future three to move up, but they were, they were moving up for a quarterback. I I mean, I would strongly disagree with the notion uh, that the jets should trade up for a non quarterback. I mean, if you're doing that, if you're trading up and giving up multiple first round picks, because I don't think two picks in the teens are going to be enough based on what we saw this past year. They're going to do it. That guy better be like a hall of fame level player because I mean, you're giving up, a lot you're giving up a lot of draft capital to to do something like that and for for somebody who's not a quarterback it's going to be very difficult to get the level of production you would need to justify that it's one thing to do it for a quarterback because that's the most important position getting the right guy at quarterback is essential but to do it for a non-quarterback I don't think I, I don't think that would be a very smart decision unless it was just like a once in a generation type talent and I'm not sure that that's going to exist in the NFL draft and even if you do think somebody is a once in a generation type talent trading you know giving up all that draft capital is a big risk because you may be wrong you have to factor that into your decision as well that you know even as much as you want to trust your evaluation you also have to realize you're wrong sometimes on these evaluations it's a very it would be a very high risk move I think it would be honestly kind of reckless for the Jets to do something like that I don't think it's a likely scenario and maybe that's just me hoping I don't think that that's the direction the Jets should go in at all next question Denzel Mims did not have a very good offseason program at what point during the season do we begin to wor- worry by the end of 2021 I think that's a fair timeline I always say that you know you got to give rookies a chance rookies expectations have to be very low 
That's not true for second-year players, though, because by the time you are in year two, you've had a chance to get past your rookie struggles. You now have played a 16-game season. You know, Mims obviously spent some time on the bench last year due to injuries, but lots of rookies, you know, struggle, especially near the end of the season because they're not used to playing deep into December. You've had a full year to digest the playbook. Again, when you're dealing with a rookie, sometimes they come from college programs where the playbook is not very complex they have a lot of learning to do there's an adjustment period when it comes to playing against nfl talent against nfl talent everybody's really good you know in in college you can dominate based on physical tools you know you may just be physically much better than the guy you're playing against uh, most weeks that's not true in the nfl in the nfl everybody's got a lot of ability even the worst nfl players are not that far off from the best. The, the difference between a good NFL player and a bad NFL player is very small. So there's an adjustment period where you go from college and winning from winning based on physical tools to the NFL where you have to be a complete player. You have to win on technique. And you've had by the time you're in year two, you've had a chance to develop those tools. You know, I don't want to read too much into a couple of struggles in an off-season practice. You know, wh- what did I say a little a little while back? when I was talking about minicamp for the Jets. If you heard that, you know, there's always guys who get a lot of hype because they're apparently looking really good in minicamp. And I said that you should not read too much into that because would you draw conclusions in October if you heard a guy had three good practices in a row? No, you would not. Well, I think the opposite is also true. If you heard that somebody was having three bad practices in a row in October, would you draw conclusions based on that, that the guy's not very good? No. What matters is what happens during the games. I think it's definitely too er- too early to be worried about Mims, but this is an important year for him, I think. Now, look, he's not going to be cut at the end of the year. I don't think the Jets are going to move on from him after this season if he does not produce, but this year matters a lot for Denzel Mims. I think it matters a lot for our expectations going forward. I think he needs to go out there and show that he can produce in the NFL. How good will he be? I think that's still an open question, but if he doesn't have a quality season, if he doesn't at least look like he belongs this year, then yeah, I think it is time to be concerned about him, but I would give him the full season, you know, full season matters. I mean, there were points early last year where people were complaining about Quinn and Williams and Quinn and Williams then went on and had a strong second half of the 2020 season. Nobody's complaining about Quinn and Williams anymore. Everybody's really excited about what he can do heading into year three. So I think that by the end of the season, you know, I'll even give Mims a little time to adjust. You know, he did not play a lot last year. I'll give him a little bit of time to, to get going. But yeah, I think by the end of this season, that's probably the point where I want to see that this guy's a player because I think you most in most cases, you got to show it by the end of year two that you're going to be a player in this league. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday mailbag show. Our next question, how would you rate the level of talent that the Jets have right now on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being one of the most elite rosters in the NFL like the Chiefs, or 1 being one of the worst? Which I guess, you know, if we're talking 1 being one of the worst, it probably would be the, like the 2020 Jets. Um, I think that the Jets probably fall somewhere in the middle, probably the lower end of the middle. See, the way I view it in the NFL is like you have a handful of teams that are probably, if, if we're using a scale of 1 to 10, you probably have like a handful of teams that are just hopeless at the beginning of the season, like Jacksonville and the Jets were last year. You have a handful of teams that you knew were going to be great heading into the season last year, like Kansas City. And most of the other teams are somewhere in the middle. I, I would say most teams are probably like in the four, five, six range. So I'd probably put the Jets at the lower end of that range, like a four. But that puts you in play because sometimes in the NFL, what you see is that the four teams make the playoffs and the six teams do not. A lot of it comes down, I think, more than people would want to admit. Success in an NFL season comes down to luck many times, comes down to how healthy can you stay? You know, injuries can decimate a team. If you don't have injuries, it puts you at a big advantage. Schedule matters. There, there's, there are only 16 games in the NFL season. So if you get a bunch of easy opponents, it can set you up. We've seen Jets seasons where an easy schedule has produced a winning year. 2006 was one of them. 2015 was another. Sometimes your schedule matters. It's not like baseball where you play 162 games. You only play 16 in the NFL. So if you get a bunch of easy opponents, it can make your season. So a lot of it, and sometimes it comes down to just lucky bounces. I mean, there were games last year where the Jets were kind of unlucky. There have been games in the past where the Jets got very lucky. Um, you know, in 2019, the Jets had a lot of luck uh, during games. You know, some, I mean, there was a game that was decided against Miami in 2019 on a pass interference call that could have gone either way. Jets got the call and they ended up winning the game on a last second field goal that was set up by the pass interference penalty. I'm not saying it was necessarily a terrible call, but that call easily could have gone. You know, I've seen that play, similar plays to that where it's been called. I've seen similar plays to that where it was not called. The Jets just happened to catch a break in that situation. And, you know, this is a game, this is a league where, you know, around half the games are decided by one score. And sometimes the play that decides things has nothing to do with either team's skills set. Sometimes it just comes down to a lucky break, a lucky call, a lucky bounce of the football. So, even though I'd put the Jets at maybe like a four right now, if things break the right way, they could end up having a very successful season. Our next question. Salah has said he views his job as a head coach to be a servant leader. It's all about making the players as good as they can be. I can't recall any other head coach who has talked like this. Usually it's about getting wins and putting the team in the best possible position to win. I find Salah to be taking a fresh approach to what a head coach is supposed to be. Am I reading too much into this? I would probably say yes and no. I mean, I, I am impressed by the way Salah talks in those terms because in order to motivate players, you have to understand how they think. And it kind of seems like Salah understands his players' motivations and he's public about speaking in that way. Breath of fresh air, absolutely. I mean, I think Adam Gase had no idea how to relate to his players. I mean, like the, the staple of Adam Gase in Miami and with the Jets as head coach was essentially some high-profile player being alienated, eventually leaving town in part because of his bad relationship with Adam Gase, and then Gase acting shocked that 
the player said that he had a bad relationship with Gase. Gase is shocked. Like, I thought we had a good relationship. Kind of shows you that Gase could not relate to his players. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's there's reason to be optimistic about Salah and his approach. On the other hand, it comes down to wins and losses, and Salah has not coached a game yet. And I think like, this is kind of like the point in time. Maybe it was not the the way things were with Gase, but... I think this is the point in time, you know, the first off season is always exciting because the guy's never coached a game, which means he's never lost a game. He's never done anything wrong. I think, you know, there's always the honeymoon period. And I think there's definitely a little element to us being in the honeymoon period with Salah. We're kind of maybe reading too much into things that we view as positive. So I think there's reason to be excited. I think maybe sometimes we, we all, and I include myself in that number. Sometimes we all get, take things a little bit too far though. So I think it's all about finding the balance. Next question. The Jets typically don't extend eligible players until after their third season in the NFL. How well does Quinn and Williams have to perform this year to force their hand, and how important is it for the Jets to be more flexible if Quinnen continues his strong play from the second half of last year? And this coming off season is the first point where Quinn and Williams will be eligible because the rules of the NFL are that you cannot sign a player to an extension until after their third NFL season. I think that if Quinton Williams continues on the trajectory he was on the second half of last season, the Jets should look to lock him up. And I think that just good practice in general. There's always the element, which I think could be a little overrated, of you know sending the message to the locker room that if you perform well here, you're going to get paid. I mentioned this on a recent show. I do think that that element exists, but I think it's one of those things that happens over the long term when you have case after case of it. I think it's just more, you know, if you look at the history of the NFL salary cap, Usually it goes up from year to year. There have been very few instances where the cap has gone down from year to year. Now, 2021 happens to be one of those seasons, but there was a good reason for that. There was an, you know, a, a situation which is uh, we hope is unlikely to repeat itself in the future. We hope there's never another season like 2020 again. But, you know, the loss in revenues from the 2020 season because fans could not go into the stadium and other reasons was the reason for the drop. If you, you have to go back 10 years to the 2011 season to see the last case where the salary cap dropped from one year to the next. And that was because there was a lockout and the NFL changed the rules of the salary cap to give players less money. So from year to year, the cap typically goes up because revenues, generally speaking, aside from odd years like 2020, revenue goes up as well. And that's what the salary cap is based on. It's based on how much money the league makes. The players get a certain percentage of how much the league makes. And if you look at projections, again, you know, who knows what will happen, but from year to year, salary caps probably going to keep going up. So that means that the longer you wait, the longer it's going to, the more money it's going to take to extend a player like Quinn and Williams, because the price of a star level defensive tackle is going to keep going up with the salary cap. So I just think in general, if you have a star player who you think you you can project to continue to be a, a, a star, you're making finance you're making the right financial move by locking them up as early as possible because it's only going to get more expensive for you and the player only gains more leverage the closer he gets to free agency so i think if quinn and williams has the same type of season i don't even you know if, if he plays as well as he did the second half of 2020 throughout the full 2021 season jets jets should extend him jets should look to extend him next offseason i do think that that's something they should change Built's Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These may be protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. They're delicious. They're covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. 
If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. For 15% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Friday mailbag show. Our next question, if the Jets sign Morgan Moses, how does the addition affect them? Who does it affect the most? Greg Van Roten, George Fant, Chuma Edoga, Connor McDermott. What would happen? Well, I think that if the Jets sign Morgan Moses, it would be to replace George Fant. I think that Moses probably slides into the starting right tackle role. And what's interesting is that because the Jets have waited this long to make a move, I'm not sure it necessarily makes a lot of sense to get rid of Fant. You know, he's going to have a very expensive cap number this year if he's on the team, $9.829 million, according to Over the Cap. But we've reached a point where a bunch of his salary is guaranteed. You know, this was not true earlier if the Jets had made a move earlier in the offseason. But by cutting Fant, you only save about $3.4 million. So at that price, you know, it's $3.3, $3.4 million. That's probably worth keeping Fant as a quality backup. So you could also say Adoga might be impacted. I think that, you know, Adoga probably has a spot on the team relative to the other options. But I, I think probably what happens is it probably knocks both Fant and Adoga down the depth chart at the tackle position. I mean, that's my read. I don't think Fant's moving inside to guard, if that's the question. I, I Maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I think Fant, though, is he's going to play tackle or he's going to play nothing. And I think because of the contract he's at right now with all the money that's now guaranteed to him there's not there's not really the cost cost savings that there would have been if you'd done it earlier in the offseason so my guess is that he'll still be on the team he'll just be a backup next question please give your opinion and review on the book collision and low crossers i just read it and thought it was an amazing read as a jets fan i'm biased but i think any football fan would enjoy it i walked away being even more frustrated with rex ryan and mark sanchez would love to hear your thoughts now, it's been a long time since I've read that book. Um, it was an excellent book. It came out, I think, in 2013. It was about the 2011 Jets season, which was a very frustrating season because the Jets were coming off two AFC Championship game appearances and expectations were high heading into that season. The questions were, would it be the year the Jets broke through and got to the Super Bowl? And you had a team that finished 8-8 eight and eight and really fell apart. And... Yeah, I mean, from my memories of it, I think it was frustrating. Not so much, you know, Mark Sanchez, it kind of showed you his limitations. It kind of, it took you inside the team. And from what you learned, I think it kind of confirmed that he was a very limited quarterback who maybe we, in all of us, I think Jets fans across the board, gave too much credit for the early success the team had. You know, the first two years they went to the AFC Championship game and Sanchez had some very clutch moments. And I think a lot of us, myself included, just gave him too much credit. He ultimately, you know, was a guy who was kind of along for the ride those seasons. And while he was not bad enough to sink the team's chances, and there is something to be said for that. There are plenty of quarterbacks who I think would have prevented the Jets from having that success. You know, if the Jets had stayed put and just kept Kellen Clemens as their starting quarterback, I don't think they go to the AFC Championship game either year. But it was just a very limited quarterback. But yeah, as far as Rex goes, I mean, I think one of the things that was frustrating about Rex is, you know, there's there's an old expression, he couldn't he could not see the forest from the trees. There's an example that the Jets gave Rex one pick he could make in the late rounds of the of every year in the draft. 
So essentially, there was well, there was one pick, you know, round six, round seven. Rex got to decide who the Jets picked, and Rex decided to pick Scotty McKnight, who was Mark Sanchez's best friend. He was a wide receiver out of Colorado, and the reason Rex picked Scotty McKnight night was some random conversation he had had with Sanchez that the, that he would make sure that the Jets picked McKnight, and even though it wasn't really a it was it wasn't really a firm promise. Rex panicked because he didn't want Sanchez to think that he had lied to him, and he didn't want to destroy Sanchez's relationship. Well, what happened was maybe Sanchez was okay with the move. You know, Sanchez was obviously happy the Jets picked his friends, but in his panic over the idea that his relationship with Sanchez would deteriorate, he kind of alienated the scouts because the scouts had put all this work into developing the draft board, and he was totally ignoring their work. He was totally ignoring all of this time that he that they had put in to try and scout and give the team the best chance to draft quality players. So it was one of those situations where in trying to try in panicking that he was going to damage one relationship, he actually damaged another. And, you know, there were all sorts of stories of this, you know, Rex's loyalty to his friend Jeff Weeks, who was an assistant coach with the Jets, who really was not pulling his weight, damaged relationships with other coaches like Mike Patton, who was, it was his defensive coordinator. Um, you know, and Rex kind of looked the other way when Jeff, according to the book at least, when Jeff Weeks was not working that hard, as hard as he should have been. And Rex thought it was loyalty to Jeff Jeff Weeks. Well, he was kind of being disloyal to the coaches who were working hard. So, yeah, I, I think that was one of those moments where after reading that book, I kind of, you know, as much as I loved Rex, especially for what he did in the early seasons, I kind of saw, you know, some of the flaws that led to the team's the team being less successful moving forward. I thought I agree though. It was a really, really good book. It was, I, and I agree. I think that, you know, as a Jets fan, you're going to love the book. Cause you know, the key, you, you know, all the key characters, you know, it was a very memorable point in Jets history, but I think any football fan could appreciate it because it took you inside a lot of the preparation, you know, just the, the, the weekly stuff, how teams game plan, you know, what assistant coaches have, what responsibilities, some of the, battles you can have in the locker room some of the issues with chemistry that can emerge some of the difficulties you know the, how difficult it is for so how i mean how much respect you should have for some of these guys who play hurt play through unbelievable injuries how much work they do studying film it's a very informative book but yeah i, I you know it's not so much sanchez i think i do think i remember from reading that book just how frustrated i was with rex by the end of it because rex was a guy who I don't think it's unfair to say Rex was a guy who had greatness in him. Rex Ryan, what he brings to the table is special, but he had these flaws that really, I think kind of prevented him from reaching his full potential as a coach. And those came out in the book. Next question. Should the jets try to sign David DeCastro? It depends on his health. There have been some reports that have come out that he may have issues with his ankle that, could end up disrupting his career, if not ending it. DeCastro himself has apparently said these things. If his health checks out, then yes. You know, and if it doesn't, then no. I mean, I think it's that simple. But yeah, I mean, if, if DeCastro can play this season, which is not entirely clear right now, absolutely, the judge, he'd be a big upgrade at guard, I think. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.